Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is the Leftovers Podcast with Derek Kramer. I'm going to say a stupid thing right now. Pudding. Where's my money? Frank R. Curry. I didn't say run through a wall. Do it again? Okay. And Kyle Powell. The Sabres were actually in a playoff spot for the entire year. On WGR550.com. Welcome into another episode of the Leftovers Podcast. Derek Kramer. Hey, Kyle Powell. No Frank R. Curry. He's on a long hiatus, as they call it. We'll call it a vacation because he's actually going on vacation. So, and remember the vacation criteria that we pointed out the one time, which was you have to go somewhere for at least three days. That's definitely what Frank is doing. He does. He does meet that criterion. And as a matter of fact, we'll ask our guest because, you know, we got someone here today and it's a maniac attack here on the Leftovers podcast from Trainwreck Sports, everyone's favorite long haired renegade maniac is with us here today what's up bud thank you very much for having me gentlemen i was a little caught off guard kyle caught me with a sneak attack i was getting ready for our curry but is it a hiatus into a vacation or is it a hiatus vacation what what exactly is this guy on here it's 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 a hiatus onto into a vacation it's like you know how you do a kickflip into a mctwist like that's what frank's doing it's a hiatus into a vacation kind of thing so it's like a tony hawk combo right now yeah it's a combo frank's working the combo right now he's gonna get triple points for it that's all i know triple points and if he sticks the manual afterward oh it keeps going could be risky so he's business. not actually running through walls. We've confirmed he's actually doing kickflips. <laughs> yes. He's not running through drywall. <laughs> I forgot we did that on Monday. We were trying to figure out what Frank was doing on his hiatus. Okay. His... And we ended up on Kool-Aid Man style running through brick walls. I mean, drywall. It's, it's very tough to figure out what Frank does in his free time. Some habits are hard to kick, so I hope he doesn't have those that Kool-Aid you know, tendency. I hope I mean, he's just taking it easy and he's enjoying his hiatus-cation. And now he... Now he goes ahead and mctwists into a vacation he's heading down to myrtle beach so and you know what i'll ask you a vacation what is the minimum amount of days to actually have something called a vacation this is this is a weird thing because i think it's actually a little bit more of a variable than that you can have a two-day vacation you can have a 1.2 day vacation it has to be at least one day is it a vacation though if you're only going somewhere for like one day it has to be at least one day one night for me it qualifies for the vacation when you're conscientiously thinking about packing at least 12 hours before you're leaving Okay. So if okay. it's just like you're going for the day or you're going for the night and you're like oh I'm going to put stuff together for 12 minutes in the morning maybe it's not really a vacation but if you're like I'm going to the governor's ball in Cleveland or something and you know you're packing ahead of time and everything like that you can make a little mini vacation out of it yeah like people will say Oh, you know, we got a two-day vacation up in Toronto. No, that ain't no vacation, dog. Well, I mean, it all depends what you're doing. all depends your conscientious <laughs> mindset towards this vacation, or as Frank might call it, a hiatus. Yes, and we'll, we'll, we'll see what he does with his, with his vacation. It'll be actual vacation that he goes on. But, guys, for the first time since the end of last season, the Miami Dolphins game, Bills football is back in a way. There is football being played with a score being kept for the Buffalo Bills. 
Does it matter in the standings? No. But there's actual football to be played today. And one of the headlines that I'm now going to start dreading is the eventual number three quarterback position being played out tonight. Where, Maniac, you've gotten a good look at Tyree Jackson over the years with UB, but he's going up against every WGR caller's favorite, Chad Kelly. (sighs) Restraint is the word for me today. I hear you're barely holding yourself back here. Kyle looks worried. He's about to call like a manager in or something. But with... Yeah, because you see Monday this already happened. Okay, so here we, we've already <laughs> gone through this gauntlet, this Chad Kelly gauntlet. I mean, I'm looking forward to it as an Ali Frazier type thing, a Buffalo QBs. Shouldn't this be like the – you guys should be looking forward to this here because callers probably come in all the time, Tyree Jackson this, Tyree Jackson this because they've seen him locally, Chad Kelly this, Chad Kelly this because he's got the Jim Kelly ties. This is a way to finally get it on the field – get it taken care of, and allow us as a fan base to move on. So maybe that'll be a plus for you guys. Maybe. But there's one part of this that I will actually try to enjoy, and that is Tyree Jackson on this side. I mean, Jackson's been intriguing in camp. He's had some impressive throws. You've been at camp, actually, a lot throughout. Uh, too much. Too much camp. Too much camp? Is there such Bug juice. All right. Yeah, it was crazy. All right, so you had some observations, though, from Bill's camp, and I want to pick your brain from what you have seen throughout at St. John Fisher College. Uh, especially with how has Tyree Jackson looked throughout the mo- for the most part in training camp. Does he have a legitimate shot at keeping a roster spot here? Um, I think at this point for an undrafted free agent, Tyree Jackson has checked every box he can. He's clearly shown that he's willing to work hard being the first out on the field, last to leave it and in the meetings you know, 24-7 from what I've been hearing. And in the end of the day, when he's in the 11-on-11s, from what I've seen in a couple of the days of drills, I mean, he hasn't made any egregious mistakes. Maybe that's with the play calling that they're giving him. But he was taking some deep shots. I think he threw a deep ball to end one of the practices, actually, if I recall. It was about a 35-40 yard completion for a touchdown. With that said, is he going to make the team? I certainly hope so. I mean, I think they got an amazing value. He definitely should have been drafted in the fourth to seventh round at least in that range if you're going to you know, get in a serious discussion about it. With that said, um, I think they got a steal, and I think that hopefully he makes the roster. I don't think he's ready to be in an NFL game this year. I wouldn't feel con- – I mean, although it would be exciting because his ability to run around and make plays would definitely be something that I'd love to see against an NFL-level defense. His ability to make like a 12-yard, 15-yard out throw, maybe not so much, even though he does have a great arm, obviously. But give him a year. I don't know if I want to practice squad him because I feel like a team could really nab him up pretty quick. It would be like a nifty move by them. But – I want him to make the team. I hope he does, for sure. I'm optimistic about it, based on what I've seen. The one thing about the Bills with this practice squad thing is that if that were to happen, someone has to go ahead and put them on their 53. So he would have played well enough that a team goes, he's worth a roster spot. And you would obviously like to see that in any sort of sense, that he would be able to make an NFL roster day one uh, of the new season. So the Bills could try that, and I would say it'd be worth the risk obviously dependent on how Jackson looks throughout the preseason here. It's going to be interesting for me to see, though, because, I mean, you know, he was playing right around the corner on Saturdays. Now he's going to be here and playing through the preseason and at the very least give a lot of fans a reason to keep watching through to the second half. I mean, if this was any other quarterback prospect or an undrafted free agent, I don't think anyone really would be paying too much attention in the second half of Bill's preseason football this year. No, I mean, and you guys would know as well as I, but I have to think that this is one of the most anticipated 
second halves of preseason football in decades. I mean, what, I mean, when, when have we been the same? I mean, obviously, people went nuts last year when Josh Allen came in and just threw a deep ball. I think it was like incomplete, but everyone just went nuts that he like threw like a sixty-five yeah, first yard deep pass, ball. Just chuck it. It was amazing. I mean, that was a great play to the crowd. You got to come out. You got to play your best song. And for Josh Allen, that's the deep ball. But with that said, um, honestly, well, where were we? I just lost it. Second half. Second half. No, it's yeah. going to be like people. I mean, the fact that people have been talking about this for multiple days alone shows that people are hyped about it. And it's going to be interesting. I mean, it's not going to be a game you turn off in the second half or start playing darts at the bar and occasionally look at the screen. Everyone's going to be looking to see what Tyree does and how he looks and if he's capable of making quote unquote NFL level throws. Yeah, and that's going to be the fun part about it is being able to enjoy the preseason. Yeah, it was interesting. Your little scouting report watching Tyree Jackson. I'm sure we, we all have the same kind of sentiments, but. A lot of the things we've heard about Tyree Jackson coming in as an undrafted free agent is he he really brings a lot of qualities to the football field that we saw last year in Josh Allen. He's kind of going through the same motions that Josh went through in his first training camp too, working with the threes. He's got this big arm that everybody loves, but the short game is going to be something he has to work on. And as we've heard a lot with Josh's maturity going into year two, it seems like that's probably the best mentor that Tyree could have if he stays in Buffalo because he's working with a guy who's – not much older than him that was just working and playing in his shoes not a year ago. His trajectory is exactly like Josh Allen, and legitimately, if you can keep him on for a year and he can develop, he's a quarterback that you can put in and you can maintain the exact same game plan. You wouldn't have to, you know, you probably have to change it up a little bit for Barkley, maybe a couple more three-step drops, yada, yada. I can't even get into that jargon. I'll leave that to the uh, the film people like you guys. But, uh, no, I think that... He's an awesome opportunity for the Bills. They got lucky that this guy fell in the draft, and he shouldn't have. Just like Anthony Johnson shouldn't have. Tampa Bay's going nuts now that they have a top-four right. receiver that they literally just got undrafted. They're like, oh, where? what happened with this guy? I think we all know that he was an absolute talent. He just was nicked up last year, and it obviously affected him terribly. It's a terrible stigma. Two UB players, Tyree and Anthony Johnson, definitely should have been drafted. You can shout about it all day long, but the only thing they can do is make the program better over there, which is what they're doing. With that said, again, I keep going on these tangents, guys. I apologize because the UB stuff gets me fired up. Hang on, hang on. This is why we bring you in, though. Like, this is why we bring in guests that they can go on a tangent. Like, they hear us go on a tangent every week, uh, twice a week, and it's time to hear someone else do it. So, please. Where I'm at is I can't see, at the end of the day, if Tyree getting cut what he did to deserve getting cut, honestly. Out there first every day, never made it agree. You didn't see one tweet about him that was like, Ooh, not like a great moment for Tyree here. Like, whereas Barkley and Allen both had those. Like, so he was just making safe decisions. Maybe they were easing him into the process. Had to get the process plug in there. But seems like they have Tyree and they wanted to succeed as a Buffalo Bill. Now, the one thing that you can really – the only one answer that I could legitimately accept about the question of what did he do to deserve to get cut is he didn't deserve it. They're trying to play numbers and work Mm -hmm. the roster. If they get a sense from the rest of the league that they're not going to be swiping in for Tyree Jackson immediately, the Bills might try to game it. They might cut him, put him on the practice squad, and say, we're keeping you around. It's just we need to work everything out. We're carrying seven receivers instead of the normal six, or we're carrying four running backs and a fullback, for example, or our tight ends are a mess. We have to keep a couple extra. I mean, look at the team they're playing tonight, too. Look no further than a team that might be in the hunt for a quarterback, at least early, to get through some of the games in the season. The latest news on Andrew Luck, his time frame doesn't look great for week one anymore. But what about Jack Kelly? You don't have him for two games. 
Oh, that's right. He got suspended for getting hit with a vacuum pipe. So is Jacoby Brissett fill in <laughs> backup quarterback here and then pray for luck and you got Kelly by week three, but you don't know what that could be. Yeah, it's a scene, man. I'll tell you that. It's great. It's preseason. Anything can happen. And then the one thing that we're all hoping, obviously, is just no injuries. I mean, that's really the only one thing that can happen because as we've seen, not only is it, you know, you got Tyree going hometown, it's a business. I mean, as much as we're talking about Tyree and keeping him for the longevity of the Bills, maybe Bean looks at it as an option. We can keep this guy and we're a quarterback needy team. We can flip him for a fifth or a sixth. Easy. And there we just accumulated a pick. You know, Bean loves his pick. So at the end of the day, you got to remember it's a business and you always have to look at Tyree, sadly, I mean, because we love him as a person, as an asset. He is an asset at this point for the Bills. And if he plays well enough, you could see another A.J. McCarron-like situation where you give him the entire fourth game, a team loves him, all right, pay up. So that looks like one of those things that you absolutely have to bring that up. The one thing you should expect from Bean is that he can make any kind of move in the preseason. He's already proved that he's only been here two years. He's made, He's traded franchise guys. He's traded quarterbacks who were acquired that same offseason. Things that typically aren't. He's not afraid to pull the trigger. Yeah, he's a guy that he likes to wheel and deal, it seems. And, hey, I'm for a guy like that as long as it's calculated, which a lot of times he seems to be very calculated in what he wants to do. We talk about this numbers game, by the way. Running back is one of those things. I just mentioned the example, hey, they like could they keep four running backs and that sort of thing. T.J. Yeldon was the guy getting goal line snaps over Gore, over McCoy, over Singletary. But yet he's the fourth guy in the depth chart, and most teams – Sometimes they carry three, sometimes they carry four. What's it going to be there? What's the running back situation looked like from what you saw out in St. John Fisher? If there's one area that is just a complete smoke screen, and even with McCoy, it has been kind of going back to last year. I mean, the rumors of the trade have been for a year, almost a year now. Um, and he's a he's obviously a superstar. I mean, if he's on the field and healthy, he's a guy that can contribute to a football team winning, even in a pass-happy league in 2019. Even though he scares the hell out of me the way he carries the ball every single time when he's uh-huh. in the open field, I'd still love to have the guy on the team. With that said, I mean, it, there's so many factors at play. He really didn't get a lot of burn at, at you know training camp. They He wasn't in embedded at all, which was a key fact that I know a lot of people were talking about. I think that in the offseason, I was really high on Yeldon. I wanted Yeldon to come in and play a big role. It seemed like he, I could have sworn I read a number he caught like 50 or 60 passes almost last year, which is like a huge thing. They need someone who can run around and create like a safety valve for Josh when Josh goes to run and there's like a lineman and an LB on the second level, obviously. You can't run every down like he was last year or else he's not going to be able to play 16 games. With that said, the running back situation, I think the only thing I know is that they love this Singletary guy. Like, yeah. I think that he's going to be getting a ton of value. I think that at the very least, he's going to be the RB2. But, I mean, you could see a situation where, you know, McCoy is the – I mean, McCoy's the one, right? Like, I feel like I, this this situation makes me lose my mind, and I'm not just saying that as a maniac. Hey, man, nice. Because uh, so, so what you'd be saying is that this could come at the expense of Gore and Yeldon with what Singletary's been getting in reps. I mean, in reps, definitely. I don't know if maybe it's just we're looking at two veterans, McCoy and Gore. Okay, so they don't need to get as many reps in practice, but it just seems like Singletary was getting as many reps with the ones as those guys were. So I obviously have limited training camp experience, but I can only say what I see. Obviously, there are things. There's a reason they don't let you record the 11 on 11s. They want to keep stuff secret, and even for the they know the public guys are out there, so they're going to obviously let certain things be seen and not. But the definite tendency I can talk about is that going segueing into that point is that there was definitely a 
focus on getting the veterans rest it felt like for this training camp like if there was whether it was a couple back-to-back days and especially even with the you know the way they're bringing more specs slow and steady why rush him back into the early training camp when you're going to need him week one to be helping josh make calls on the road back-to-back week one and two in new jersey i mean that's going to be a hostile atmosphere i mean everything's more hostile in new jersey as it is shout out tony soprano (laughs) but so yeah, North Jersey, maybe. Yeah, North, but hey. Oh, yeah, South Jersey is very peaceful. LBI. <laughs> Tom's <laughs> River from the uh, Little League World Series yep. back in the days. I can attest. Shout out to New Jersey, population density, number one in America. Or in the world, maybe. No, not in the world. That would be silly. Yeah, that might be a little Might be a little much. We're, we're crammed down there. Oh, they are cr- They are Derek Crammered. Your wordplay is fantastic today. Well, it's, I, I, it's more like my brain is like a skew. It's not even wordplay. It's just like things going the wrong. You're just the, syn- you're the synapses. <laughs> the synapses are out of whack. So it's like a blessing and a curse. <laughs> so let's just dive into something here. Like we're gonna do something uh, a little too early, sort of thing here. Uh oh. Okay. You know, oh, I'm I'm a pro at that. Yeah, we're we're always fond of doing things too early. Kyle, Frank, and I put out our too early roster projections. I already don't remember what we did. But let's have some fun with this because Maniac's here. we got to have some fun. Sure. This season for the Buffalo Bills, I posed a question a couple of weeks back, and it was kind of frustrating with how I spiraled myself into this sort of despair. But I thought to myself, this team could, if they stay healthy enough, go 10-6. and six. But that also could mean with how good the AFC has risen itself as a whole – could 10 and 6 mean missing the playoffs? And if that happens, would you be upset about it? Would you be mad or would you be salty about the fact that a good season, like a 10 and 6 season, ends up going to the wayside? I mean, situationally, I would definitely be salty. I'm not even going to try and say, like, oh, I'd be really pleased with seeing Josh take some strides forward in the franchise, exactly. moving in the right direction. Of course, if they're 10 and 6 and they make the playoffs, I'm going to be pissed. But. With that said, in the grand scheme of things, I can acknowledge they got a little lucky a couple years ago to make it in at nine and seven. So it's kind of like give and take. Obviously, that's the way the league works. If you want to win and be in the playoffs in the NFL, you win your games, and obviously you take care of your own business. So that way, you don't end up like season one finale of Playmakers when they're watching the screen. I don't know. Shout out to Playmakers; it was an amazing series back in the day. If you guys ever saw it. With that said, and that's my going to be my key line today. With that said. Um. Yeah, I would be. I would be really salty if they were ten and six. And exactly. It's, it's like one of those things where it's like, we haven't seen ten and six in a long time, and this is what happens. We don't make the playoffs. What'd you do to shoot yourself in the foot? Why couldn't you get to eleven and five? Because if you're ten and six, you're good enough to get to eleven and five, right? Like that was the spiral that Kyle saw in live time when we did the nightcap the one day. It was just ten and six. That'd be a good season, but they didn't make the playoffs, so I'd be hella pissed. And then at the same time, in the grand scheme of things. Okay, you're better, yeah, but what did you do? Two hours psyching him in and out. But then, what did you do out. to only get to ten and six? Because you screwed something up in order to go to ten and six. Like, did you shoot yourself in the foot against the Dolphins for some reason? Like, did you lose a Jets game? Did the Jets make it over you? Blah 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 blah. It turned into this self spiral of a situation that I created, and I was my own monster. Let, let me give you guys a double spiral then if we're just going to go out of control here. Oh, okay. All right, here's the scenario. Bills are 10-6, and six, make the playoffs, but Josh Allen, 3,200 yards and uh, not even a 2-to-1 TD-to-pick ratio. 
closer to one to one overall TD we'll to call turnover. It like 24 yeah. 17. 24 17 with a couple fumbles. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Nine and seven don't make the playoffs. Josh Allen, 38 touchdowns, 16 picks, four fumbles. Okay. In that scenario, what the hell happened to the defense and how injured is it? So, something happened. <laughs> something that maybe, you know. Things, that's things the only happen, way but, that, like, but would but would you rather see and know and have the general idea that Josh Allen is one million percent your guy? I feel like it's ninety nine percent right now. Like he's ninety nine. I know that some people are saying they're ready for him to be the guy for the next ten years. That's still a little bit quick for me. I mean, the guy's twenty four. You don't know, and he's played ten games in the NFL. To say that you think this guy is going to be the guy for the next ten years is a little scary. I need to see some more out of it there before I, you know, fully. Call my parents and tell me, tell them I think I've met the one, you know. Uh, but the way that it works, yeah, I think I would take the playoffs because immediate gratification is what life's all about. But I mean, it's also what the and, NFL's about. And once you're in, it's like you could anything can happen yep. in the playoffs. You that's, can that's you can fill you your way to a to a Super Bowl. <laughs> that was that supposed to mean <laughs> that it actually happened, and you're a fan of them. You know, I'm trying to use you a. You made re- it sound like a fluke. No, no. Philly was, my way to a Super Bowl. You could fill your way to a Super Bowl. They were a six seed and they stormed their ass into the Super Bowl. No, they were a one. Oh wait, seed. they were one seed. Yeah, that's right. But Home but field, that's Johnny. the way that it made. That's the amazing thing about worse. They felt like a six seed because they had lost. They Carson, lost their starting baby, quarterback. The dog mask. Oh, yeah, that's and right. call yeah. us underdogs without Carson Wentz. Yeah, but I, I clearly forgot about the it. The dog mask may have been the best member of that roster because let's face it, yep. going into that postseason, what did Nick Foles have like ten points in two games combined? Like they had yeah, lost they one game like against, nine to three, and then they lost like yeah, Dallas in week seventeen. Yeah, and they were just like better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were like, there's no way that this guy's going to be able to do anything. And then obviously, yeah. I mean, you get a home playoff game. Crowd will take care of a lot of business as it is. Matt Ryan couldn't do anything. And then the Vikings Falcons, crushed. Yeah. Then the Falcons and Vikings, two of the more snake-bitten franchises, took care of the rest. Well, the Eagles took care of them. They didn't have to take care of the rest. The Vikings fans took care of themselves. Well, the Vikings just... Yeah, the fans. That, no, the Eagles shout took out care Joe of the Bushy. Vikings. <laughs> Steve Sarkeesian's play calling took care of one thing. <laughs> And then the Vikings were just taken care of. But, Indeed. But, yeah, so my bad there. I forgot about that fact. But the Bills have a steady roster that could do the same thing. I just don't want that Nick Foles scenario where I lose my starting quarterback and I'm pissing myself. I think the one thing that we've learned in this podcast, besides what a vacation is, which is still up for debate, is that in the NFL it's a short memory. You know, you were talking about your roster projection, you already forgot it because tonight is going to be a game. They're going to go out and play. You're probably going to have a whole other set of thoughts tomorrow. You know, it felt like the Eagles were a six seed going into the playoffs a couple years because they lost their franchise guy. It's amazing how quickly things change. And with that said, it's amazing how more often they stay the same. I'm locking in this prediction right here on the leftovers. 2017, run it back, Bills starting 3-1 and again. I can see it. As a matter of fact, the schedule could project that way that you kind of want three and one to start. Oh, you need Jets, three and one. Giants, Bengals, and then New England. Oh yeah, you kind of want. You need to, a strong start. You need a you need that start because those last four games is not easy. It's Baltimore, Pittsburgh, New England, and the Jets. You got to take one of the one of the quote unquote New York games, and then you got to take Cincy. You cannot lose. The, if you lose a Cincy home opener, like I'm I'm out. <laughs> if you lose a Cincy in the home opener, I think they're out. Like it's not <laughs> yeah. even I'm out. It's they're out. Like yeah. come on guys, what'd you do here? Like, that's exactly the situation. Like, say they – I just spilled water on my crotch. It is very cold. Not only did he spill it on his crotch, but he, like, he was moving his hands, gesturing, oh, and he, I like, he put, his entire, he put his entire hand in the cup of water before he did it. He, like, <laughs> punched yanked, himself with the I, water cup. Whew. 
This is incredible, oh, this guys. Is Good thing I'm not leaving the building because it looks like I pissed myself. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's that that that's both not what the people want, but that's also oh, what they want, which is why I gotta really be recording cold. you here because this is great. Paper towels here we're live here with the God. leftovers. We're here with we're here with we're here with <laughs> Capo and, and Donkey Kong, Derek Kramer, and he just he just wet himself. It's such a great take. Love it. There it is, right there. There it is. Strong, Perfect. strong. At least it's not like a little bit where you're like worried oh, about hiding it. it. Yeah. No, what I'm saying no, so like you, you just got to embrace that. It's just full set all right there. That's yep. perfect. That's perfect. It's at a great trajectory too. Like that could totally be self urination. Sometimes it's like sometimes it's like on the hip bone, and it's like well, there's no way they could have peed themselves. Like that is right where your stream would go. Oh, oh man, that's there's no paper towel. And the sad there's thing is, no and the sad thing is, no you wanted towels. a cup of water, and you knocked over the entire cup of water. Yikes. Why, this, and this just, you have to ask the question, why do the worst things always happen to the best people? <laughs> well, first off, this is particularly on brand for myself to, uh, to have this happen. Well, that's more important than anything is being on brand. Yeah, I got to stay on brand, I guess, by accident or by choice. And uh, I guess it turns out accident is the way that we go with today. Just like how accident, you know, a couple years back, you know, 2017, we hearken back to things. Oh hey Nathan Peterman, that's not gonna it, it, that's not gonna go that badly. Oh, it went that badly. I didn't think it was ever gonna go that badly. I thought it was actually gonna go genuinely not terrible, and that was an accident as well. Um, and that was the start of kind of embracing the idiot brand uh, that I've kind of carefully created for myself at this point. If you take away their love for Nathan Peterman, because it was nothing less than love, seeing as. They had him in 2017, saw that, still ran to them in 2018, still subbed him Jesus. in late in 2018. Oh, he's pulling an alley. He just took off his shirt. It's crazy when, when you get you – guys, <laughs> ladies, you'd love to be in the studio right now. Some, some men too. Shout out to everybody. But, uh, Nothing wrong with that. With that said, great transition. What the hell was I talking about? We were talking about the love of Nathan off. Peterman. Okay, and- yes. They love Nathan Peterman. <laughs> Like a son. I'm like, sorry. But, I'm sorry. But, but Sometimes if you I- take away that, like that love, that the irrational love that they had for him, like, have they made any other really bad decisions? It's like they would be shooting like a perfect score if they didn't like get all caught up on Peterman. Yeah, pretty much. And because uh, yeah, they would have been way more aggressive about the QB situation last year. If, again, if they didn't fall in love with Peterman and convince themselves that this guy who they knew was not great from the year before. Would be good somehow. I mean, it didn't help that one year ago today, Nathan Peterman was dropping dimes, going seven for seven against Carolina's first team offense. That's true. I can't believe that he didn't. The ball, yeah. the ball didn't hit the ground. <laughs> the ball didn't hit the ground with Nathan Peterman. Nine for, ended the game nine for ten with a pick. So yeah, and that was a deflected pick. So it's like oh, you couldn't even blame Peterman on that one. Like shout out Chris Ivory. Yeah, shout out Chris Ivory there, and uh, Chris Ivory kind of hit. classic Bill. Yeah, he hid the uh, the curse of Peterman. He did. Was you know ball's just gonna go the other way. You don't know it yet. He, he jumped on the grenade. Yeah. Captain America move. He took the blame on that one. And, no, it's, again, how much stock do you put into these games you have to be careful with? Uh, what am I going to look for from Ed Oliver? I'm going to look to see how well he plays against a guy. If he gets matched up with Quentin Nelson, that's a matchup you got to see. Yeah. You want to see one-on-one how he's going to work against another guy because – You'd like to think they're going full in practice, and obviously it seems like they are seeing as Ed Oliver's leaving bruises on Josh Allen's like shin or whatever was happening because you're not supposed to be hitting the quarterback, but he's still hitting them there. But I'd love to see him against a player in another uh, uniform, obviously. I want to see him dominate someone. I want to see him impose their will, which also is what Duke Williams, along uh, Ed Oliver's obviously going to make the roster, but Duke Williams is a long shot now. 
but he's doing interviews yesterday where saying his goal for tonight is to dominate and impose as well. And that's probably going to be the first chance he really has to show his get off on the line and the plays he can make. So Yeah, that's some strong words too. While you don't want to get too caught up in the preseason, obviously with the main guys. With the main guys, anyone who's playing in the first and second quarter, that's when you shouldn't get caught up. The most important thing is staying healthy for those guys, yes. obviously. The ha- the pre the second half is maybe those are the guys you should get excited about because they're the, they're the long the shots the to make the team and maybe they can make an impact. Yeah, not to mention those guys are bottom of the roster. Robert Foster and Ray Ray McLeod earned themselves roster spots last year from what they did. And Ray Ray looks like, from all training camp reports, looks like he's trying to turn it up in year two. Robert Foster, a year ago today, people are doing fantasy drafts. Nobody knew who Robert Foster no was. No clue. Robert Foster straight up won fantasy championships for people last year. Yeah, the Bills may not have even known who he was this time last year. Well, they, I would hope they did. They had yeah. him in camp. But uh, well shade. <laughs> Wait, who's that guy right there running really fast? Oh, that's Foster. Okay, I like this guy. Well, you know, you always have that guy around that you didn't notice until you really needed him. You're like, who's that guy? Oh, that's Johnson in a county. He's been with us for four years. <laughs> so, you know, that was Robert Foster. But, no, we made a great point about McLeod, though, too. He had an amazing camp. He's one of the guys that I can definitely see is making some strides, and I can see a lot more quick hitters. Like, he could be a Beasley 1.0.1 almost. He doesn't have to. He's not going to be like crush anyone down the field. I think that's more Foster and uh, you know John Brown. But I think like you know like with the little shotgun snap, like forward toss, like with the crossing receivers sweeps, uh, definitely like they were running a lot of those. All insider right. info. There you go, insiders. Make make Josh Allen's decision making easier. That's probably like one of the most important things for this year. Yeah, and I think that Josh Allen's decision making it. Everyone says it's always about his accuracy problems, his accuracy problems. And for me, I've always seen it as something else. I've always seen it as Josh Allen's decision-making needs to be the one thing that needs to be cleaned up the most. Accuracy sometimes is either you've got it or you don't. It's a very natural sort of thing. Decision-making is something that you can improve on by studying, by hitting the film room, by being able to do what you can there with a phantom door close. But you can read the coverages. You can see what the DBs are trying to dictate. And you can see what's going on there. A player like Allen, he's aggressive. He knows he's got this arm. He's going to throw it in there. He's going to try to make a play out of something. I just need those running across the field, throwing across your body, heaving it down the field. I just need that to stop for now. Because that's the decision-making that kills a team. And when you saw it with the blue and white scrimmage, frustrating. You're right. So the the game becomes illogically easier when you sort out and can dictate your own decision making and control the game in that way. I mean I could go on a mini rant for an hour about Tyrod. He was great. He threw a great deep ball and he could make some good decisions, but he rarely got the team to the line with like 17 15 seconds left on the playcock to read the defense and kind of see where he was going to go with the ball. It was always 10 to 8 seconds left, and he would kind of just have to get everybody up and snap the ball. If you look at Tom Brady, yes, he's obviously the greatest, I mean, in my opinion, to ever play the game. But was he ever, and he has, he has a cannon arm at some points in his career. You know, obviously more than was the Moss days, like his arm was really peaking. But did he ever have the best arm in the league? Was he ever the most, you know, best pocket passer that there's ever been? The one thing that I always see out of him is he always gets the team to the line very quickly and he can make his checks and his decision making is easy. He knows he's looking for Edelman on the out route and if it's not there, he's going to check it down to the running back, you know, whoever one of the eight running backs they have that's catching passes at that point is. 
let's make the decision making easier for our guy and let's see if he can't do the rest with his natural ability. Exactly. And that's uh that's one of the few things I'll That's look on for. the coaches. That, yeah. that that's more than anybody on the coaches. Like cuz they see him get they know how quickly he gets the huddle to the line. So they need to be on him. You want to be at the line with like at least 12 to 15 seconds left so you can read the defense. Yeah. That's one of the more underlying traits of a quarterback is being able to do things pre-snap cuz you have the time to do it. And that's absolutely a great point there from about Tyrod Taylor a couple of years back is, you know, he doesn't have time to really read everything that's going on because play calls coming in late. People will go nuts. He can't throw over the middle. I'm like, that's not even close to as important as his ability to go to the line and actually see what's going able, on the he's field. He's probably not throwing over the middle because he doesn't know truly what's going on. Can't read the time. linebackers. Yeah, it's easy to read where the DBs are lined up. Yeah. So that's something that could have really helped with getting over the middle is if the play call is coming in sooner so that he can get in there and really take a look at things. But you said it. One of the biggest things about tonight, though, is those first and second teamers, try to keep them as healthy as oh possible. Oh, my gosh. Especially the, on the offensive number line. Number one. Literally, as long as everybody stays healthy, it was a great game. Mm-hmm. I, I can just say that right now. like Because there's just been so many times in these meaningless – three to four series they're playing where they're technically warming up and getting loose for the season. Obviously it's great for the fans. Kids tonight's kids night, right? Yes. Okay. It's going to be a raucous atmosphere at new era stadium, but yeah, healthy is the name of the game. Yeah. And you want to see them healthy, particularly with the offensive line. How many players have been dinged up at this point? Thank goodness. They got all that depth. It was like, we were bragging about how we had like two offensive lines going into camp. Now we have like 1.4. Yeah, it it's tough, and you know you lose a swing tackle like Elijah Waddle. That one was I I was a little upset about that because if an injury were to happen throughout the season, he could play left or right, and I'm just like, <clears throat> and like you said, don't rush Mitch Morse back. Just let things go. You know, let him progress steady, slow and steady, so that he's ready for week one, and he's still able to take mental reps, everything like that. Your tight ends. Who the hell knows who's going to be a tight end starting the uh, season with what's going on with Dawson Knox, Jason Kroom, and Tyler Croft all sitting out, all in shorts and bucket hats and camp. Yeah, what were your latest thoughts on that group? Tommy Sweeney was the latest guy we heard that had a pretty good few final days. The legend of Sweeney Tom was growing crazy at the end of camp. People were out of nuts. Now, I don't know if that was because he's really the only one that's out on the field <laughs> besides Lee Smith. Or if that was he was actually having an impact. So we're going to have to see until he – that's going to be a huge thing. Are we going to see Tommy Sweeney out dominating with five catches for 66 yards and be like, okay, this is a guy who we can use like up the middle of the field and along the sidelines, obviously. But with that said, earlier in camp, I was extremely, extremely impressed by Dawson Creek, Dawson's Creek, a.k.a. Fort Knox. He was absolutely in and out of his breaks with strong agility. I mean, you need – that's where the biggest thing with this tight end craze, I finally realized it after like three to five years, is that the mismatches on the linebackers are just so much more impactful than the wide receivers' mismatches on the cornerback or safeties. That you can really get a huge discrepancy with just .1 or .2 seconds of agility there. So with that said, hopefully he heals up. But for right now and obviously for tonight against the Colts, I'm very excited to see what uh, Tommy Sweeney does. I don't know. I like where's Kroom? Where's Kroom in all this? Like he was halfway decent last year. He seemed like he was a good. It's such an interesting dealing conundrum. with an injury, and it's a huge. There's a, on multiple ways. Well, not not with, just as the roster. Talking with Ryan Talbot a couple weeks ago, I, I was personally shocked because he had a he had a it was around thirty locks he had for the yeah. for the roster, and he didn't have Kroom on it, and I was unaware of how ghostly he's been. Yeah, and the other thing about that and like injuries. We, 
We yeah. did our uh, we did our roster projections. I left Kroom off, and that had you on a question That's right. mark. You left him off. I was just I was just shocked because I know he had a pretty strong impact at least the halfway mark to the end of the season last year. Yeah, and this is now EJ Gaines's problem as well mm-hmm. with how he got banged up on uh, Sunday's practice, where now you not only lost your chance at probably the number two spot. Now you've got a problem of are you going to make the roster with what happened to you injury wise here. Kroom and Gaines, I'd say Gaines more so, not being able to take the field tonight affects them in a negative way. Yeah, most, I mean, not only the players, but the team overall, because you want to see how those units are going to work together. You need someone who can be, and this sounds so ridiculous, an 85 or better in Madden at the cornerback position next to Trey White. Because if you can get that, then you essentially have the wide receivers locked down. Theoretically, because you're hoping ideally that Trey White will be a top 10, top five cornerback this year, if not better. So you need someone who's going to be on the other side because they're going to go to the other side every time almost, right? Yeah. Or they're going to try and get that other receiver matched up on that person. And Levi so. Wallace showed throughout the second half of last year he was up to the task, which was pretty good. And from everything I've read, this is Wallace's job to lose. But if someone gets hurt, say you're missing Trey White for a game, Levi Wallace, and what do you have coming in backing up on the other side now? if Trey Wright's missing for a game. Well, Kevin Johnson, not a bad option. Competing with EJ Gaines at the time, the two of them are pushing each other to be better. And you're looking at one of the deepest cornerback positions in all of football. This is why football is just the best. Like, I was just talking about how injuries are the only thing that's important, but now I'm, like, fired up for tonight. Like, I want to see how these DBs, like, are they going to play aggressive? Are we going to be getting a great push with Oliver and Lotulale and Jordan Phillips mixing in the mix, Harrison Phillips? Are they going to be crushing, you know, the interior of the Colts line? Is Trent Murphy going to be looking good coming out the edge? That's another thing. Trent Murphy's had a good camp from all that I've read. Stay He's, healthy. Healthy. Healthy is the name of the game. <laughs> the Bills, this uh, administration, and we got to talk about health real quick here for a second, just the top, because they've gotten a lot of flack for bringing in Morse, who had the concussion issues, right? Like, they knew that coming in. But with that said, they've taken chances on other players that had injury issues, and it's paid off tremendously. Case in point, Jordan Poyer. He's coming off a huge injury. A lot of teams didn't want anything to do with Jordan Poyer. They got a tremendous discount on a on a great player who's ended up being amazing for the Buffalo Bills. Tell me that he's not a fan favorite now amongst the Bills, almost as much as Trey White. Not to mention fan favorite, but should be a Pro Bowl. Oh, definitely should have been the Pro Bowl last year. Player, and it just, he's not recognized or heralded enough, but he's one of the He's one half of one of the better safety tandems in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, the fact that we got Hyde and Poyer in the same offseason was kind of incredible. It kind of just, I was like, okay, Hyde, that's like a nice, I knew he was good in Green Bay, but I'm like, how good can he be in Buffalo when you have like Aaron Rodgers like dominating the other team for, you know, a whole game. But it it seems like he's gotten better in Buffalo. Yeah, he was kind of able to thrive because, honestly, I think Dom Capers really, in his later years as a coordinator, just... Yeah, well, he didn't. He, he like the one game where people were like had him at the stake was uh, the 49ers postseason game when Kaepernick yep. ran for like 170 yards. They're like, and he did it early that season. Like. Yeah, against them too. So it was literally like they're like, how did you not like have one adjustment? Because like he was just running untouched, like 45 yeah. yards, 60 yards for a touchdown. Those ridiculous games. Like, how did you not adjust anything there? And yeah, Capers kind of just it was kind of like that for his final seasons in Green Bay before he finally parted ways there. But, you know, Jordan Poyer is one of those guys. Like, it's a great pickup because of the fact that, you know, you took a risk on that sort of thing. Kevin Johnson's looking like that right now, giving you solid depth at corner and possibly a starter if you need one on injuries. If 
Johnson stays healthy, you got yourself a very legitimate backup there. You got a guy who can rotate into the slot or play on the outside for guys that need a rest every now and then. Kevin Johnson is one of those guys, first-round talent, problems with injuries. Why not take a chance on that kind of guy? This is where I really respect what they do because they're not taking big risks on them. I mean, Morris is a lot of money. That's the big risk. But generally, they're not doing that. They're not giving a lot of money to these players. They're trying to keep it safe within the market value but still take the chance as well on talent. This regime, I really, it's, it's really a feel-good group with what Brandon Bean has been able to pull together there with that staff. And Sean McDermott, I'm excited to see what he does with more on his roster because he takes the 2017 squad to the playoffs when start of the season, people are thinking, are they tanking? It was so hard to understand. Like, it sounded cheesy or whatever like process culture when he first came in obviously and and when you talk to athletes they really do say like you know the atmosphere inside the locker room is almost everything because that's you know where we go as a team after the game that's where we get ready for a game as a team yada 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 but with that said I think we were so far separated from having something legitimate like an actual culture an actual process an actual you know community feel around the bills Marone was, like, ice cold from the day he got here. He was, like, methodical, like, no pulse, anything like that. And I love him as a coach. I love him at QC. He did a great job, obviously. And he had an okay year with the Bills, but obviously he wasn't, you know, a bright cup of sunshine or anything that was going to rub off on the players in a positive way. And then you have Rex Ryan, who uh, (laughs) I think uh, Chris Brown of the Buffalo Bills said basically, like, when he was running things, it was, like, it was like uh, France after the revolution. Basically, everyone was just running around doing their own thing, and no one was held accountable for anything. It was basically just do whatever you want. And that's that's nice when you have like the most talented playmakers who can hold themselves accountable. But, I mean, Jerry Hughes, how many like you know personal fouls did he have that year or whatever? I mean, it was just incredible. The, the penalties, there was no accountability to the team because they didn't have that community feel. They didn't have that process. They didn't have that culture of holding each other accountable. It was just me, me, me then. It's really starting to rub in with this team, and obviously I think that a lot of people are following suit. Hey. It's good, it's good that we're uh, we're out of time because otherwise I would have gone on my I hate Rex Ryan span- rant. Well, And we could have gone on a huge what's better, Bill's Twitter or Sabre's Twitter rant. <laughs> what's uh, classier? Probably Bill's Twitter right now because the feeling is better, I would say. When it comes to the respective Twitters, I just want to be like an operator in the Matrix like and just see like the code going down the screen. <laughs> like, And then like I'm like, oh, someone said something about Sabaka. Like, you know, like, yeah. I don't want to see the actual tweets. I want to see the Matrix code. Yeah, so you just, you just want to see the code and see what happens from there. Oh, yeah. Maniac, thank you for joining us here today. Always a pleasure. Thank you for having me, gents. And of course... Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Oh, my God. I almost forgot, Kyle. Ah, yes. It's Thursday. 
It's Thursday. It is Thursday. And you are here for the Dummy of the Week. Dante, I'm trying to fight these demons, but I'm dummy thick and the clap of my ass keeps alerting them. Thank you, producers. The Dummy of the Week is, you know, we've we've seen it countless times. You see, like, a take from a Colin Cowherd or a Jerry Sullivan, and it's some stupid take that you just want to go, what in the hell was that? Why'd you do that? Why'd you say that? I don't like you. And those people today, I mean, we've had to wait a couple days because of the dummy of the week being a Thursday thing only. The people that are sensitive about Baker Mayfield biting into a beer can to shotgun it. They are your dummies of the week. And please, gentlemen, your takes on the dummy of the week narrative. So he bit into the beer can. I didn't. He, that's how he shotgunned that part it. of the video. That, yeah, it was, ama- was it was amazing. To be honest, and Baker Mayfield was shown on camera in Cleveland. That's all I know. Yeah, and when he goes to shotgun it, he ends up to make the hole in the can instead of using a key. That's a power move. Yeah, exactly. Well, you saw he did a he did a whole theatric with it. He like he did a casual finish of like a regular beer and he threw it aside and had the full can and then just bit it. Yeah, bit it that's like awesome. a caveman. Yeah, how <laughs> is that not incredible? It's a, like you just said, it's a power move. Like Absolutely. That's that's a quarterback that knows he's taking charge. And you got Tom Brady who's modeling Uggs and probably ensuring his brand three times over every day. And then you got Baker Mayfield, whose face right now is probably worth forty to sixty million, just jawing a beer can. How can you not love that? <laughs> and then there's people that's like, Oh, you should be studying your playbook, you should be not shotgunning beers. What are you what are you teaching kids? No, it's that's that's not for kids. That's he's at a game, he's enjoying himself, and that that was for the adults. Yeah. That was beer me. By the way, great beer toss by his friend, whoever Amazing. that was. Whoever that was, that should be the backup quarterback in Cleveland. Well, don't always the keep in mind. The accuracy of that, bam. Stone Cold's bam. beer tosser was, was an un, unsung <laughs> MVP. I mean, like, did you ever see any misses from them? Yeah, no. sometimes like the only reason Stone Cold would need another beer is because he dropped it. And oh, and by the way, the, uh, the, the same journalist telling you uh, that Baker Mayfield shotgunning a beer and Josh Allen drinking a beer is inappropriate – are probably the same journalists who had jobs when athletes were dropping full horseshoes of chewing tobacco in their mouth during the game. So don't let them tell you what's actually appropriate. Ugh. I just, I just retched at that one. Double horseshoe. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Perfect. Great way to start a Thursday. Great way to start a Thursday. Great way to end this podcast. Thank you, Maniac, for joining us. And if people aren't following Maniac at this point, I think they're kind of doing it wrong in the Twitter game. You think you just outed me? Yeah, I mean, well, Capo, we're not going to hold account because I know he's very focused on his professional, you know, well-being, and he's got three minutes to get out of here. He's only got three minutes to save the world, and that's why we're that's why we're rolling things up. It's because I'm 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 a person that tries to make sure that we get out of here on time. This is huge. Capo just got on the train live. Yes, he did. Never too late. Live reaction. Live reactions. Thank you for joining us. And, again, if there, if there's people listening to this and they're not following you, tell them where to find you. Uh, you can follow me at, at Zach Sheldon on anything, Facebook, MySpace, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, and uh, you can follow us at Trainwreck Sports on Instagram. It's Trainwreck Spurts on Twitter. We lost the O in a lawsuit. It was very unfortunate, but we're going to fight for your right it's to It's unfortunate, but you, you guys bring the spurts takes all the time. Oh, hot spurts takes. Hot spurts takes every day. Thanks for joining us, brother. Thanks. Thanks for having me again, guys. Looking forward to next time. Yes, sir. Any any final thoughts here? Oh, this is a great one. All right. And we got to see me spill water right on my pants. Um, Thank you for listening to the Leftovers Podcast. Derek Kramer. 
And Kyle Powell. And still no Frank next week. He's on vacation. He will not be here Monday. He will not be here Thursday. But you still got us too. And who knows? We might bring another surprise in. We might not. That's up for you to decide and find out. And as they always say, hey, football's finally back for the Buffalo Bills. Go Bills. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.